Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of The Shoe with Shukri Writes on Pacifica Radio Network, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for making this show part of your routine. Always appreciated any way you're able to listen to the program, whether it be on your Pacifica Radio Network affiliate or on demand as part of the Shook Rates podcast on iHeartRadio. It is always sincerely appreciated. So I want to make the time to take the time to say thank you, to thank you to all my listeners out there. And I want to start the show talking about the one major topic that I have not gotten the chance to talk about since I did the last show, and that was Tiger Woods. As all of you have heard by now, in case if you haven't heard by now, Tiger Woods was in a very bad car accident about about uh, almost a week ago now uh, in, Lo- in the Los Angeles area. And that is um, that was some news that really uh, shook me up. I'll be honest with you, because the first thing that came to mind was I hope that this man actually survives and that this man is going to be OK. Because the first thought that came to mind was Kobe Bryant. I'm going to tell you why. Because at that point, it was maybe a little more than a year um, since Kobe tragically passed away in a helicopter crash along with his daughter and seven others. And when you saw the the news and you saw the video footage of Tiger Woods' car, I said to myself, oh, man. That looks bad. I don't know if the man is alive or if he's going to be okay. But my immediate thought and reaction was, I hope that this man survives. He's got a child. He's a father. And it just seemed like that that an entire sports universe, or should I say an entire country that, that Follow Tiger, love Tiger. They were just seemingly praying for him. And I was hoping for him that he was going to be okay. Fortunately, he's in recovery now, but he still has a long ways to go. But more importantly, the biggest thing that I look at is when you talk about Tiger Woods, and especially given what had happened, of course, there were speculation as to what happened. We need to know the truth. We need to know how this happened. What happened? Was there alcohol involved? But there is a way to go about asking those type of questions. Not jumping to the conclusion or to the very first thought was, was he drunk? Unfortunately, I've heard one too many radio broadcasters in various different markets ask that first question. And I'm sorry, and I think that's a bit distasteful. I'll even go as far as to say, why is that the first thing that comes to mind? Because the thing that I find disturbing is this. And I really think that it comes down to how the media portrays athletes of a certain demographic or how it, it may try to paint the picture of a certain athlete. Listen. We know the past and the troubled past of Tiger Woods. Let's not make two bones about it. We all do. However, and I mean however, there's a time and there's a place. 
learn when to ask the right questions and how to ask the right questions. Because there were points in time, especially in sports talk radio, from what I've noticed, there was the question of, did he have any drugs or alcohol in his system? Like, it was just like, you got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. And I'm going to go out and on a limb and say, if this man wasn't a, a man of color, perhaps that question would not have been the first question asked. Let's keep it all the way 100. Don't sit here and give me the nonsense of, well, what does race have to do with it? Well, let me help you answer that question. When you're in the media, especially television in particular, TV has the one power that radio doesn't have, and that is graphics. And that is the difference between radio and TV. You have graphics. You're able to see. To see how it's being portrayed and so forth. And in the wake of what happened with Tiger Woods, it really got me thinking. It got me thinking long and hard. And I say, you know, I have long have had a problem with how the media tends to portray certain athletes who may have a troubled past, especially if they are of color. Tiger Woods is no different. Again, I'm not naive. I am very aware of the things that he has done in his past. We all know. However, are we going to honestly sit here and kick dirt on the man, especially when he is in a when he was in a grave situation? The same way that many people were so quick to bring up Kobe Bryant's past about the rape allegations in Colorado back in 2003? Are we really going to do that? Because that seemed to be the big emergency grab, if you will. While the world was mourning Kobe's death, there was a segment of the population that was saying, but he was a rapist. And that couldn't be further from the truth. That in itself is what got me mad. But back to Tiger. Because I really want to use this segment to really use it as a teaching lesson. Because one of the things that I will say is this, and it's going to make some people uncomfortable if I haven't already. And that is, even if a person has a past, who are we to use that as a reason to try to paint this man in a demonic sense? Like, seriously? How would you feel, honestly and truthfully, if something horrible like that, for an example, were to happen, and then, oh, by the way, your skeletons are brought to light, and they use it to paint a picture that is not very, it's not very flattering of you. How would you feel? Yes, I'm bringing a human element to this, because, frankly, I think we've gotten so far away from human decency that, frankly, it's time to bring that back again. Human decency needs to be a thing. I'm happy and I'm genuinely happy that Tiger is alive and that he survived that horrible car crash because it could have very easily gone the other way. In fact, 
the deputy police chief came out and said that Tiger Woods was very lucky to be alive. And after seeing that car being uh, being pulled away from the car crash site and how mingled it was, my thought was, oh my goodness, how lucky is this man to be alive right now? Because for whatever reason, he survived. Not everybody survives that. Not everybody comes out of that. In fact, for him to have to have been pulled out of the car using the jaws, the jaws of life, so to speak, says a lot in terms of how just how damaging and how devastating that car crash could have been. But right now, the priority in my mind for Tiger Woods is it's not golf. Golf shouldn't even be a thing right now. By many accounts, his golf career is over, and that's a shame. It really is. But the most important thing is, is that the people in his life, they still have Tiger. They still have Tiger alive, and that he's going to be ultimately well. He's going to be well. He's going to recover from this. That is what's truly the most important. Anything else and everything else can come after. What is he going to do? What is his recovery going to look like? How is he going to bounce back from this? Don't count the man out. I'm not going to count the man out at all. How many times has he proven us all wrong? Hmm? How many times? We've seen this movie too many times over the course of his career and his life. Why count him out now? I'm not sitting here saying that he will never play golf again because we see the impossible come possible every single day. However, golf is not the priority right now, and it shouldn't be the priority for a while. And I mean that sincerely. And speaking of golf, I want to touch on something that that really circulated around Twitter and around the Internet the other day in which that the PGA Tour, they're playing a tournament, and you saw a lot of uh, notable legends and stars of the PGA come out and voice their support and send their well wishes to Tiger Woods. Guys like Phil Mickelson come to mind, you know, um, you know, and other stars. And one of the things that that really touched me was this. They played a tournament on a Sunday in which that a lot of the golfers, if not all, but a lot of them did. They wore Tiger Woods, his legendary outfit that he would wear on a Sunday of a, of a major tournament. And that is the red shirt and the black pants. How many times have we seen that over the course of the years in which that you want to pay tribute to an icon, to a legend. But thankfully, we're not paying legend to a man who is deceased. We're giving thanks to him while he's still here. Let's think about when Kobe passed away. The tributes. Remember the tribute that the NBA did for for Kobe? Not just only in terms of the celebration of life, Ceremony that the Lakers hosted at Staples Center. We're talking about in terms of for every game 
or every first game after Kobe's death, they would, you know, they, they would have a 24-second violation and then follow that up with the opposing team having an eight-second violation. Remember that? And how touching that was? Because as as you may know, and for the younger artists that may be listening, Kobe Bryant wore two numbers in his career. He wore number eight, and then he wore number 24. Those were the two numbers that he wore. For the golf world to show their love and appreciation and to honor Tiger Woods, that said an awful lot. Because for the younger audience that don't know and didn't get the chance to watch Tiger Woods in his absolute prime, Tiger Woods absolutely, and when I say absolutely, dominated the sport in a way that we had never seen ever. Tiger Woods was that guy. Heck, you can even say Tiger Woods was the Michael Jordan of golf because of how dominant he was. Yes, I'm aware you have your Arnold Palmers. I'm aware you have your Jack Nichol- Jack Nicholas. I am fair, I'm pretty aware you have your VJ Sings of the world, you know, the Phil Mickelsons. I'm aware. But none of them dominated golf the way that Tiger Woods did during his prime. And I do say during his prime because his prime years were unlike anything that we've ever seen. Period. And if this is, in fact, going to be the end of Tiger Woods' career, then, frankly, a case can be made that Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of all time. But the point of this entire segment is is that I am grateful that Tiger Woods is alive. But the media has got to stop painting bad images of people who have checkered past especially when they're down and out. That's my bigger issue. I'm grateful for Tiger Woods, and I'm appreciative for what he's done for the game of golf. I mean, we all remember the 2019 Masters. That Sunday, Master Sunday, was truly must-see TV. I remember the absolute joy, the happiness, the the way that people just celebrated. Tiger Woods winning the green jacket again after not having won a major in so long and how special that was. I remember just how incredible it was just to sit back and think about everything that he went through. Everything that he's had to gone through. You talk about a man who has meant so much to the sport. There's no doubt in my mind that Tiger Woods in his legacy is firmly cemented. There's no question. The only question is, can he cement his legacy further by bouncing back from a horrific car accident? That remains to be seen, and there's no doubt in my mind that he will. Coming up next, why one head coach in the NFL is a hypocrite. There's a certain head coach in the NFL 
that absolutely needs to be called out. And I'm going to tell you exactly who that is. Coming up next right here on The Shoe with Shukri Wrights on Pacifica Radio Network. This is the sound of a brand new outdoor grill being hurled off a 20-story building. Now a stylish glass coffee table. An electric guitar. These are the things you could enjoy all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Visit energysavers.gov and get tips on how to save energy and money. Then do things like switch to Energy Star light bulbs or Energy Star appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. So this doesn't happen to the recliner you've had your eye on. Or this to the treadmill on your wish list. Or this to the shiny new bike your kid's been asking for. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. I spend a lot of time in the backyard. And I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores you've ever had. In 01, we stayed up all night telling ghost stories with the neighbors. Yeah, I know I've got a bit of wear and tear. And sadly, in 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit, that accidentally started a wildfire. When a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Sparks from an improperly extinguished fire pit can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Wash surfaces, utensils, and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food, especially when handling raw meats or eggs. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. 
So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Shoe with Shukri Rights on Pacifica Radio Network. Time now for some in-show reminders as pertains to The Shoe with Shukri Rights on Pacifica Radio Network. Just want to remind all of you that you can listen to this show on demand on The Shukri Rights Podcast, which you can find on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcast, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, wherever else you get your podcast, you can be you can listen to this show, The Shoe with Shukri Rights on Pacifica Radio Network on demand whenever and wherever you may be listening. Now, with all of that being said, there is one particular topic that I am going to speak very passionately about during this segment because one thing about me is that I don't apologize for being what I am, black, being who I am, speaking passionately about the plight of the African-American community. But when it transcends over into the sports world, I double down on that passion. And there are moments and times where there are certain behaviors, certain people that'll do certain things that warrants me to call them out on it. And there is... One particular example that I really want to get into, because I have spoken passionately about about this particular topic that I'm about to really get into in just a matter of moments. This topic really runs very deep. And I'm going to call out Mike Tomlin because there is something to be said about African-American head coach in the NFL and a successful one at that. Mike Tomlins don't simply exist everywhere in the NFL. After all, he has been widely successful throughout his entire NFL career so far as a head coach. Never has had a losing season. He's a Super Bowl champion. Got to another Super Bowl. But his comments regarding Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Beniemi has really rubbed me the wrong way. Mike Tomlin said that the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Beniemi not having a head coaching job in the NFL is a head scratcher. I'm going to explain why. That statement is a heck scratcher. But for me personally, it really bothers me greatly. I'm going to tell you why. Because number one, Mike Tomlin, you have hired from outside of the organization for your offensive and defensive coordinator positions. In fact, When was the last time that you've hired an African-American coordinator? Why is this about race? I don't get it. What does this have to do with race? Actually, it has everything to do with race. 
just because you're in a privileged position doesn't mean you get to speak about the advancement of a marginalized and an underprivileged and underserved demographic in the United States. So please save it. Now, as far as Mike Tomlin, here's my problem. Tomlin, why didn't you hire Eric Bieniemy when you had the chance? Hmm? See, I don't have a problem with the fact that Bieniemy is mentioned as a guy who should be a head coach. After all, he's shown what he is worth and what he is capable of as the offensive coordinator in, with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you've seen his body of work. I don't have a problem with that. But this is what I have a problem with. The biggest thing that I have a problem with is that you, Mike Tomlin, you've taken it upon yourself to call out the league, but yet you're doing the very same thing that the NFL has been doing, not hiring people of color on their coaching staff. That has been the issue. Here's the problem with the whole Rooney rule. It's really disingenuous. You have to incentivize a rule in order for a specific group of people to get opportunities. Don't sit here and tell me, well, you should be grateful. No, I shouldn't have to feel grateful for the fact that, oh, by the way, that team didn't really want me, but I was given an incentive to say, hey, if you interview or hire so-and-so, you'll get rewarded. I'm sorry. Why should someone go somewhere where they're not wanted? Please tell me. And don't tell me for one minute that Eric Bieniemy has gotten opportunities to be interviewed and yet has not been able to get a job because, well, he wasn't the best candidate. Really? So can you explain to me how, and I mean how, do you land an interview for 13 different head coaching opportunities in the NFL, 14 in total, and not get offered a single job? Why is that? Because, see, here's the issue. And this is part of the problem that I have with Mike Tomlin in particular. See, the message isn't the issue. It's where it's coming from. The problem that I have with Tomlin is this. Is that you are fortunate to be in the position that you're in. You are, you are fortunate to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Which, oh, by the way, by the way has only had hmm, three head coaches in the last 55-0, 50 years. Three. That's it. Chuck Knoll, that's one. B Bill Cower, another one. And the other one is, oh, that's right, 
Mike Tomlin, he's been the head coach since 2007. Yeah. So you're fortunate to be in the position in which that you don't have to worry about your job being secure. Because Pittsburgh, they don't fire head coaches. Let's just be honest. They don't fire head coaches. But the problem, and I look at it by Tom and I say, hmm, who have you hired of color as your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? I'll wait. And oh, by the way, you want to talk about hiring within as some of these teams do? Let's start with the fact that a lot of these teams practice nepotism. What do you mean? Teams that also have relatives on their coaching staff. New England Patriots, come to mind. Bill Belichick, his son, Steve Belichick. Also, Kansas City, Andy Reid and his son. Right. So, this isn't the first time that we've seen and heard about such instances. But what bothers me about Eric Bieniemy not having a head coaching job right now in the NFL is this. It has a lot to do with race. Sorry. Hate to burst your bubble. No, it has nothing to do yet. It has everything to do with race. Please tell me how in a league in which that is a multi-billion dollar enterprise doesn't even want to practice the idea of hiring a minority, I'll wait. I will sincerely wait. Outside, and I mean outside of Mike Tomlin, who else has been the longest tenured head coach in the NFL? Jim Caldwell didn't last very long in Indianapolis. Should I remind you that he lasted, what, three seasons and was fired after the 2011 season? Hmm. Let's see. Leslie Frazier, another one that comes to mind. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Raheem Morris, another one. African-American head coaches are not given the same length or the same rope that white head coaches are given in the NFL. I'm not sorry from what I'm about to do. And if I haven't started making people feel uncomfortable already, I'm going to make it even worse. So the fact that Eric Biniemi, the best offensive coordinator in the league right now, hasn't gotten a head coaching job. Yeah, it does bother me. But what bothers me even further is that you have a fellow African-American who happens to be in the very position that Eric Biniemi should be in it may not be with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but elsewhere, talking about it's a head scratcher. Yet, you don't hire from your own. And I'm talking about from your own people. You don't hire your own people. Your track record speaks for its own self, right? So, spare me the whole excuse of, well, no, 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 no. You've had chances. How is it guys like Todd Bowles, now a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, can land an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator in Tampa Bay after being fired from being the head coach of the New York Jets? Hmm? Or Leslie Flazier? Hmm? 
I mean, they were they were available, but you didn't hire them. So to me, I find what he said to be quite hypocritical, but also problematic. That you don't hire your own people. You don't help your own people to be uplifted into prominent coaching, or should I say head coaching positions. That's my problem. I have a problem with the NFL in terms of its hiring practices of minority head coaches. There are many African-American general managers, let alone head coaches. I wonder why. Hmm. Should I call it the good old white boys club that is the NFL? Because right now it looks like the good old white boys club. That's what it is. Because right now, the proof is in the pudding. You could deny, deny, and deny, and deny all that you want. But you look across the league and you say, well, how many African-American or people of minor ethnicities or head coaches in the league right now? There are not many, but especially of black and brown descent. Not many. There's two that comes to mind, as a matter of fact. Mike Tomlin being one, and Brian Flores down in Miami with the Dolphins. Other than that, not many to be found across the NFL. So this whole notion of black head coaches are getting the same opportunities and chances as the white counterparts, nah, that's not going to fly. That doesn't even begin to make sense. Because if that's the case, there should be a lot more African-Americans getting opportunities. People like Eric Bieniemi shouldn't still be an offensive coordinator. But he's in a pretty good situation in Kansas City where you got the best quarterback on the planet in Patrick Mahomes. That's really the only reason why he's still in Kansas City right now. Because he's well aware of the, the amazing situation and place that he is in in Kansas City. You working with the most explosive offense in the league. You got the best quarterback in the planet. You look at the weapons that you have in Kansas City, and let's face it, if he, and I mean he, isn't a head coach soon enough, honestly, I'm going to continue to raise my voice and speak about this. Because how is it that you have people like Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Call out this very issue and call out the NFL in particular about this particular issue. Yet, people who say I don't see color, they they, they provide that such malarkey of a of an opinion because that's what it is—an opinion, not a fact. Yet, when you talk about issues like this, it is as if oh, it's got nothing to do with race. Well, unfortunately. That's not how they see it. That's not how they see it. Because the worst thing that the NFL could have done was come up with the whole Rooney rule. I hate it with a passion. Eric Biniemi should be a head coach right now. Mike Tomlin needs to do a better job of incorporating the African-Americans who are working in the league who deserve an opportunity to become offensive coordinators and so forth. As far as the owners... The owners are not getting off scotch free at all. At all. 
they actually need to hire more people of minority and and black and brown people. Unfortunately, that's not happening right now. There's only but a few African-American head coaches in the league right now. Only maybe a couple that comes to mind. And as I mentioned, Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores are two that comes to mind immediately. As far as everyone else, hmm, let's see, Hispanic and Ron Rivera, that's one. Philadelphia, the Eagles, they had a chance to hire an African-American as head coach, but they chose to go with Nick Sirianni. You had Deuce Staley, who wanted to be the head coach and was clamoring for the job, but the job was passed on to someone else, and he decided to leave, and who could blame him for that at all? But there are too many examples of what Mike Tomlin is talking about in terms of Eric Beniemi not being a head coach right now as a head scratcher. But unfortunately, when you place that mirror in front of Mike Tomlin, you're actually the worst offender of not having any coaches or, or, or should I say coordinators who are of color. Sorry. I mean, let's be honest about something here. How is it that Bruce Arians gets it? Hmm? How is it that he gets it? How about Byron Leftwich as your offensive coordinator? And as I mentioned earlier in the segment, Todd Bowles being a defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How is it that he gets it, but Mike Tomlin doesn't seem to get the message? It takes someone who is white, by the way, to hire a staff that is full of African-Americans. But yet, Mike Talman can't even do that. What does that say about him? I hate to bring it to you this way, but that's just speaking truth. Coming up next, Houston, you need to make a move. You need to make a move like now. I want to tell you exactly what I'm talking about. And you're listening to The Shoe with Shukri Wright on Pacifica Radio Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff, even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. This is the sound of a brand new outdoor grill being hurled off a 20-story building. Now a stylish glass coffee table. An electric guitar. These are the things you could enjoy all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Visit energysavers.gov and get tips on how to save energy and money. Then do things like switch to Energy Star light bulbs or Energy Star appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. 
So this doesn't happen to the recliner you've had your eye on. Or this to the treadmill on your wish list. Or this to the shiny new bike your kid's been asking for. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. This is the city where danger lurks. Today, a new creature walks among us, causing fear, mayhem, and injury. Stay back, children. Mommy, I'm scared. Look out for the dreaded digital deadwalkers. They're not looking out for you. With faces pressed against their little handheld devices, they put all good citizens in harm's way. Hey, pal. Pardon you. The digital deadwalkers are multiplying. Until their behavior patterns can be modified, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons warns all innocent people to stay alert. Better yet, to step up and speak out. Oh, hey, dude, I'm walking here. Oh, I, sorry, I didn't see you. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons, who want to keep everyone well connected with healthy bones. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2! Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work, there's the comic book collection, the race car bed... Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control over my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show with Shukri Rates on Pacifica Radio Network. Glad you're able to make the show part of your routine. Always appreciate it, as always. In life, there are often signs that indicates whether it is time to move on from a situation. It happens to every one of us whether if it's in relationships or a job or any profession, oftentimes you'll see different signs that, you know what, it's time for a change. It's time to move on. Sports is no different. Everything in life has an expiration date. That's just the fact of life, and that's ultimately the absolute sign that life gives us all that, Everything has an end date. In Houston, we have a problem. And when I say we, and I mean Houston Texans have a problem. What they don't understand or want to understand is how bad things are getting or have gotten with the organization. In fact... One of their former defensive superstars in J.J. Watt just signed a two-year, $31 million contract with the Arizona Cardinals. And that really spoke volumes. In fact, 
he went as far as to tell the organization that I think it's time that we should go our separate ways. And the Houston Texans granted him his wish. Now, with that being said, that same courtesy is it being extended to one of the preeminent quarterbacks in the NFL, in Deshaun Watson. And I think about this for a moment in which that I say, I wonder why. I wonder why this is not being extended to Deshaun Watson in the way that it was extended to J.J. Watt. Now, J.J. Watt has tenure in the league. He spent, what, nine years in Houston, 10 years in Houston, and was an all-pro. He was arguably the best defensive lineman in the entire National Football League at one point in his career. In fact, you could say that he was the Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald came into the league. That's a very fair assessment to make. But Deshaun Watson was given a ton of money. He was given a long-term contract with the Houston Texans. And the truth of the matter is this, is that he has become so, so fed up with the situation with the Houston Texans that he basically said, I am not playing another game for the Houston Texans ever again. I'm not doing it. When he did that, that told me one of two things. Number one, Watson is extremely fed up with the Texans organization in which he has a right to be. After all, no big deal. All you did was just trade away. And I mean you, I mean the former head coach and general manager, Bill O'Brien, was trade away DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sure we all remember that, right? And then you trade away Laramie Tunzel? Right. And then frankly, you also had one of the best, if not the best, receiver the Texans have ever had and Andre Johnson speak out in a negative light against the Houston Texans organization. And frankly, for a man who is normally quiet and don't say much and don't have a whole lot to say for him to speak out was a really bad sign, a really bad sign in terms of the organization, what they are and aren't doing and the moves that they're making or lack thereof to move forward and to build for the future. Now, with that being said, I think the Houston Texans need to actually stop playing chicken and trade the man. Let me tell you why. You see, in the NFL, one of the things that defines a culture is the quarterback. You don't believe me? I'll give you actual example. Look at Tom Brady. He leaves New England. He goes to Tampa Bay. Immediately, they begin the culture shift. And the culture shift was actually felt almost immediately once Tom Brady arrived in Tampa Bay. You can go to Peyton Manning, for example. 
when he was a Colt, when he started his career with the with the Indianapolis Colts, they were winners. And he brought that same mindset to Denver when he became a Denver Bronco. They got to a couple of Super Bowls with Manning as the quarterback. So what I'm saying is that quarterbacks oftentimes dictate the culture of an organization. You keeping Deshaun Watson, it's a bad, bad sign for the Houston Texans from ownership up to the front office all the way through and through. Nick Casario, I get that you don't want to trade Deshaun Watson because he has tremendous value and so forth. But what good does it honestly do you keeping a disgruntled superstar quarterback who is not happy in Houston, who is not happy with the culture in Houston, and is not happy with the roster moves or like thereof that has been made to improve the skills and the skill set that he possesses? Like, what more can you possibly do? The problem is, Nick Casario, and to the rest of the Houston Texans front office, there isn't else that you can do to sway him or to persuade him that he could stay and that things can work in Houston. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm with Deshaun Watson in this one. All you have done was destroy the Houston Texans and the talent that had been assembled around him. Now, it would be one thing that if you said, we're going to rebuild, we're going to add pieces, we're going to add winning pieces that's going to help us win both now and the future, then to say, hey, you know what? We're going to take one piece away. We're going to have this other piece go there or this piece go there. That doesn't help. That doesn't help the quarterback at all. In fact, one of the things that stood out to me was this, that quarterback Deshaun Watson, he made it abundantly clear and said verbatim, I do not want to be here anymore. Trade me. What does that say? What does that say about the culture of the Houston Texans? This is why I am a really big believer that quarterbacks oftentimes determine the culture of your organization. Go look at Seattle right now. Why does Russell Wilson want to be traded? And he's given his list of teams that he is willing to be traded to, that he's willing to waive his no-trade clause for. What does that tell you? What does that also tell you when you look at Kansas City and you look at Patrick Mahomes and the culture with the Kansas City Chiefs? What does that tell you in terms of culture? Quarterbacks oftentimes determine and dictate the culture of that organization. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if the Houston Texans are going to rebuild and if they are going to make that next move as an organization to move forward without Deshaun Watts because Deshaun Watts is not returning back to the Texans, that I am confident in writing it in pencil and just letting it be known, he's not returning back to Houston. He's not returning back to the Texans and that he's not happy there. Why hold him? Why hold on to him? What are you playing a game of chicken? Because at the end, you don't win. 
you end up walking away a loser. I mean, think about this for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. You really want to wait until draft night to trade or make a move on from Deshaun Watson? Really? Because in the interim, what does that do for you? Folks, we're two weeks away from the, from the beginning of the new league year for 2021. And there's already been some sort of a domino effect in terms of the quarterback in the NFL. I mean, Matthew Stafford goes to the Rams and as well as Rams, former Rams quarterback, he gets traded back in that same deal as well. And I'm talking about one Jared Goff. He goes to Detroit. And that won't be the last domino to fall. Where is Cam Newton going to land next? Who knows? Nobody knows at this point. No one's sure. But people are saying, don't be surprised if Bill Belichick brings back Cam Newton for another year. If, at this point, I don't want that to be the case. But would it surprise me if it happened? No. I won't even be shocked if Cam Newton returns to the Patriots. But you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks make movement around the league already. Well, a few of them, rather, I should say. But rather, Deshaun Watson is the big domino and the big fish. Although Houston has made it very clear they are not trading away Deshaun Watson. I don't really buy it. Nor do I buy into it, and neither should you. But don't be surprised, and I'm saying this seriously. Don't be surprised if they pull a quote-unquote an about face. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. The other thing to look at is, what does Deshaun Watson have to really work with in Houston? Don't give me the whole garbage of, well, he signed that contract. He's got to live out his contract. Really? Is he the first quarterback to demand to be traded in an offseason? No. He's not the first. He's not the last. And after all, the Houston Texans have been a joke of a franchise in the NFL for quite some time now. Even in their quote-unquote successful years in which that Houston got to the playoffs although did not have a whole lot of success in the playoffs. But the fact of the matter is that you look at Deshaun Watson, he had been the, the key cog in all of this, and that's a fact. He had been the mainstay, if you will. However, the harsh truth of the matter is this, and this is the reality that the Houston Texans are going to have to face. Deshaun Watson's not backing down, which is why I firmly believe that Deshaun Watson is at a point now in which that he's sitting wherever he is and looking at the Houston Texans organization saying, y'all about to play ourselves stupid. And I'm going to sit here and grab a bag of popcorn because this makes no sense at all. You could trade me now and get a large ransom in return. Or you could wait to draft night, but understand that I'm not coming back. I'm not showing up for training camp. And that is the bottom line because at this point, too many bridges have been burned in Houston. And then on top of that, and I think Deshaun Watson has 
a point when he said, I was not consulted with. I was not given an opportunity to provide input as to the decisions that the organization makes. There is some validity to that point. And that validity is he is a franchise quarterback. He should have a say. Why should he have a say? Well, think about the examples I'm about to give you. Think about this. They consult with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. They consulted with Tom Brady. Tom Brady in Tampa Bay specifically asked for Antonio Brown. He got Antonio Brown. This is to say that the input of the quarterback carries weight in a winning organization. Now, let me add a little asterisk to this. Tampa Bay Buccaneers was never looked at as a winning organization. They never were. And that only changed now with Tom Brady's arrival in Tampa Bay and them having just won Super Bowl 55. That changed. But historically, quarterbacks, they do have input. For whatever reason, the Houston Texans decided that they were going to do things backwards. And they are about to pay a real heavy price for that in Houston, which may take years to recover from. That remains to be seen as to what the Texans are going to do next. But I think they're at a point now where they don't have a choice but to trade Deshaun Watson. That'll be all for this edition of The Shoe. Shukri writes, I've had a pleasure of bringing this show to you wherever you are and however you are listening to this program. Hit me up on social media on Twitter at Shukri Writes, at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. On Instagram at SWritesRadio, underscore, at S-W-R-I-G-H-T-S-R-A-D-I-O, underscore. I look forward to talking to you next time. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. You had been listening to The Shoe with Shukri Writes on Pacifica Radio Network.